Hello and welcome to the Startup Operator Roundup. I'm Roshan Karyapa and I'm Gunjan Saha and today we'll not be discussing Baiju. Thank God for that. <laughs> What are we talking about Gunjan? <laughs> so according to a new study by Ask Private Wealth and Hurun India, India could potentially have 147 new startups become unicorns in the next 5 years. Currently India has 83 unicorns with this interesting 51 gazelles and um, 96 cheetahs. Okay. Gazelles are companies with a valuation of 500 million to 1 billion dollars. Not unicorns. <laughs> no, it's not gazelles. Okay. <laughs> and they're likely to turn unicorn in within three years. Whereas cheetahs are companies with a valuation of between 200 to 500 million dollars, <coughs> and have five years time to turn into unicorn. And uh, together, these unicorns have a current worth of 57 billion. Now I don't wow. know what is more standing out for me with calling them cheetahs and gazelles becoming unicorns or the number. I think the cheetahs and gazelles will have to run a lot harder <laughs> and uh, l- run a little more further. You know, 2021 we had uh, companies become unicorns in two years, right? I remember Bharat Pay, uh, one of the fastest Mensa brands, exactly, right? Uh, all of these became unicorns in two to three years uh, time, uh, right? I mean, now those times are far gone. Uh, obviously you know there's some uh, sanity that's returned to the venture market as such and you know in all of this uh, you know when i talk to founders itself not one founder has uh, sort of said on the podcast that you know we're chasing that unicorn status right uh, rather a lot of the conversations are on growth profitability um, sustainability and so on right i mean how can we grow in a uh, sustainable manner so I-, i think the metrics have changed Unicorn was an interesting sort of a benchmark metric uh you know when the size of the ecosystem was uh, still small um right i mean arguably we, you could say it is still small but post 2021 i think the the metrics have to change around you know revenue profits and so on and so forth right i mean that is what healthy for uh, uh, the ecosystem and and i think i i hope that is what people brag about you know we're already seeing a lot of good examples of that right zeroda for example zoho Uh, and so on that have sustained uh, these massive businesses uh, with their own cash uh, so yeah it's it's uh, something to take note of and you know perhaps uh, you know clink glasses uh, for very briefly uh, but yeah let's let's move on and build some great businesses yeah right also i think in this past 10 years you're also in uh, i think fourth iteration of startup building right the first iteration i'd probably call it you know the all the companies that came up during the dot com boom in india your just dials your um, olxs your shadi.coms and all of these companies then uh, we had you know your olas and ptms come up again fast forward we had your d2c companies come up i think right now post covid with ai and everything will be in a fourth generation of startups and i think with every generation the whole maturity of founders many of them being you know serial entrepreneurs right so i think that maturity will also build into the ecosystem you will see better breed of companies being started for sure see india is not short of uh, problems to solve for right and uh, geopolitically as well there's a lot of capital that will definitely make its way to india uh, right despite the market having turned despite some of this corporate governance stuff that's happening uh, and all of that because hey where are you going to put your money right i mean you can't put your money in china at any rate right so you're going to look at india maybe southeast asia and so on so given the size of our economy and the state of our star- startup ecosystem a lot of the money will come in here 
so it's going to happen right but but as i said i mean the goal post has to be very clearly building sustainable businesses right i mean founders who are looking at you know 10 20 years journey uh, and not really you know exiting <coughs> at uh, an attractive valuation in 3 or 4 5 years you know okay before moving on some quick trivia from this report among the future unicorns 42% are in e-commerce fintech and saas related companies and bangalore still is a startup capital of india with 53 probable unicorns followed by ncr with 29 and mumbai with 19 see this the startup growth right i mean one great thing that's happened over the last 2 or 3 years is that it's gotten spread out right out of bangalore out of pune out of uh, you know delhi and so on right i mean you have a lot of these tier 2 tier 3 kind of cities not chennai but uh, you know coimbatore uh, what is that surat all of these places right that are that are showing a lot of these promising startups and that i think is uh, very positive definitely positive because startups develop that ecosystem right i mean all of bangalore has been built because of you know last 30 40 years of it action uh, and of late you know all the startup growth that's happened so yeah I, i do hope that it's a little more spread out while certain you know sectors within the ecosystem are doing well like fintech uh, saas uh, e-commerce startups in the indian creator economy space is having a hard time right over the past uh, 12 months or 18 months i think we saw half a dozen startups shut down right they either had to pivot or they you know got acquired at you know f- for a way lesser amount than what they were valued and uh, most of these startups are offering products to help digital creators monetize their content that to directly right and uh, according to some experts these startups are focused on administrative issues and not on the hard problems facing content creators but i think during this time even instagram came up with a model where they were incentivizing uh, digital creators and they were also like helping them set up a shop within a platform right and uh, so yeah and today we are seeing the likes of chingari moj and already th- these companies are struggling uh, so what's your take on that how do you think will they bounce back or what's changed so i think in terms of the business model itself right i mean startups in the creative economy you could broadly put them in two three different categories right so one was folks who were connecting some of these uh, creators to brands right and the second were people who are making creator tools right uh, for people to publish content and monetize and build an audience and so on and so forth right broadly i mean this covered about 80% of the types of solutions now because the uh you know uh, the the amount of liquidity in the market has shrunk right brands are not spending as much on uh, some of this marketing stuff uh, as they were used to right i mean people had spent uh, you know many lakhs on all these reels and so on and so forth i mean that spending has gone down sponsorship money has clearly taken a hit right which means that the creators themselves have uh, very little uh, money to spend on these tools and so on right or or whatever else so obviously that market has shrunk now if you were in that creator space and making a portion of that pie considering that the whole pie itself has shrunk obviously you know your business model is hit as well right so it's just a product of uh, the market having turned uh, that's it really um, as to whether you know some of these will survive or not you'll have to really figure you know because i do feel on the consumer side you have to be a little more careful uh, and not let your cost uh, you know and your burn uh, spiral out of control right i mean you've seen fantastic uh, startups demonstrate how that is done right i mean stage for example uh, kuku fm pratilipi and so on uh, right i mean they they've been able to generate uh, real revenues from uh, users uh, right so 
so let's let's wait it out i suppose i mean like i've often said i think the folks who survive these next couple of years 2 3 years will come out really strong yeah. all right moving on to our next topic phone pay has entered the credit market with foreign to merchant lending and uh, this development comes after its failed acquisition of fintech lending platform zest money PhonePay has gone live with loans for more than 35 million merchants who accept UPI payments and they're building a credit underwriting model based on the merchants transaction history on the app. So uh, this is kind of bringing together the amount, the data they've collected through user transact to a number of user transactions and, and other metrics and they're building a credit product. So this is what you know people used to talk about when they meant that using AI and technology to to get better underwriting uh technology and here we are seeing it getting deployed this was always a plan right i mean this is also why they wanted to acquire uh, zest money earlier unfortunately that didn't pan out as expected but uh, this was always a plan you know there are anywhere between 25 to 60 million msmes in india all of these are starved of credit right there is no uh, formal credit access to a lot of these folks right banks don't lend as easily to them so there are always uh, going to be opportunities in terms of uh, underwriting based on different types of assets right i mean now in the case of phone pay they have a merchant on their platform they know their transaction history so they can do an educated guess in terms of you know the propensity to pay back right which is what they're going to leverage and offer uh, you know credit options to uh, some of these uh, folks right and and so credit is a very lucrative business as well i mean if the spread is good enough uh, that could be a, a whole other revenue line for phone pay right and and other companies have sort of demonstrated that playbook as well rbi i think recently came out with a few guidelines on how they're pinning the responsibility for underwriting on uh, you know some of these fintechs now that will be interesting right because these folks will have to function as real financial entities now right it's uh, no longer just a customer acquisition uh, tool for you know banks and nbfcs they will have to start assuming some of this risk uh, and how is that going to play out on their books well we'll have to wait and watch right because you will definitely need a lot more prudence and you know all of this technology and uh, data should really help let's see okay on the fundraiser side lending card raised 200 crores in long term debt funding from financing platform evolution x debt capital credit card and travel rewards platform skipia raised 9 million dollars from matrix partners india koski the bangalore based women's occasion wear brand has raised 61 crores in a series a round of funding led by bearing private equity partners india yeah it's uh, it's good to see alternate uh, funding instruments right debt for instance uh, i mean if you are in a cash flow business then uh, debt makes eminent sense for you you don't have to route everything through vcs so hopefully all these uh, debt instruments uh, get uh, popular oh right, so roshan you re- retweeted a very interesting article on your twitter timeline right this is an article by mark anderson on titled why ai will save the world what uh, what do you like about this uh so this is a very bold and almost like a like a clarion call of an article right what he says here is that that the threats of ai running route and uh, you know causing all of this uh, doomsday scenarios uh is uh, is grossly exaggerated and that ai can actually be a force for good in the world he outlines some of these risks that we have right i mean one that 
AI will develop sentience and will take over humans or that it will cause job loss or that it will cause inequality, so on and so forth. Outlines all these risks and uh, helps you understand, uh, you know, how that could not be the case, right? And in fact, it could do the opposite. Uh, there's a lot of economics uh, and stuff there, which I will let you guys read. Do I agree with it? I mean, not wholeheartedly. Uh, I want it to be true for sure, right? But I find it rather too optimistic and somewhat naive in parts, right? Mark Anderson says that uh, the biggest threat for us is that the Chinese version of the AI implementation will win, right? Uh, and uh, that is like, you know, extreme state control uh, and so on, which, which you're seeing, right, with all these cameras and social credit systems and whatnot, right? Uh, and he has actually said, you know, it's for the West to make sure that its version of AI will win, right? Which is supposedly a lot more benevolent. But one thing is for sure, right? I mean, any new technology will create winners and losers, uh, will create haves and have-nots. We have to, you know, sort of welcome this new technology with, you know, necessary skepticism that it kind of requires. And you have to be, if not very cautious, at least a little bit cautious, right? Because what we've seen over the years in terms of technology trends over the past couple of hundred years or whatever, the impact it has can be very drastic, right? I mean, exponential almost. OpenAI, the adoption for ChatGPT went to 100 million users in, in something like three months. Five, less than five months. Less than five months, right? Compared to, you know, WhatsApp, which perhaps took about two years or something of that sort, right? Uh, the adoption and the impact can be, you know, really, really rapid, right? So we, we do have to be, you know, careful about it. Uh, but, but it's an interesting, thought-provoking article. I highly encourage everyone to read that. So let's talk a bit some some geopolitics. We know that the world is slowly becoming a multipolar world. Of course, there's the West, there's the China, there's also India emerging as a superpower. Where do we stand in, in terms of building our own AI? See, it's a very difficult question to answer, right? And there's been some chatter about, you know, uh, whether we can build our large language models and so on and so forth at this point of time. Uh, now, I am of the firm belief that it's a few policy tweaks away from enabling this. I understand that, you know, people might think I'm being overly optimistic about this, but it's fine, right? I mean, uh, we have the necessary talent, uh, right? We do have to make sure that, you know, we, we do have to figure an incentive for the best and brightest of folks to come back, right? In fact, just last week, I think the government has set up some 50,000 crore uh, fund for scientific research, right? Now, it'll require things like this to make sure that the best and brightest are incentivized to come and start working on core technologies here uh, that, you know, we can build and we can adopt, right? So a few years back, uh, Rajiv Malhotra had written this book called uh, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Power. Uh, I had him on the podcast uh, that I run, um, Bharatwartha, uh, to discuss some of this stuff. Uh, I think for anyone who wants to understand the whole geopolitical consequence of AI, I think it's a fantastic read. Uh, he has always been ahead of times. So, so that's something that you could check out. But... Uh, Definitely interesting times, you know, uh, all of this R&D technology, IP creation is no longer like a nice to have thing for India uh, right now. I mean, we have to prioritize it. I know we are a services nation and uh, typically that's how we've uh, sort of grown and expanded through arbitrage and whatnot. We'll have to start focusing a lot more on R&D if we need to create value in the new world. Roshan, before we sign off, any updates on who we are having next on the podcast? 
next week we have a conversation with praveen of better place uh, and better place is uh, building a data platform for blue collar frontline workers uh, right so think of your uh, uh, maids cooks uh, you know watchmen uh, delivery boys so on and so forth right uh, so the this whole space is a uh, very unexplored uh, underserved right and uh, what praveen and his team have done is uh, you know build the central data platform think of it as a kind of a linkedin plus an hrms for uh, you know uh, these folks right and they take care of their entire life cycle you know i mean from uh, their training to their benefits uh, insurance credit etc so it's a it's a very interesting platform and uh, they've expanded beyond india right now to asia and uh, the middle east as well uh, so i got to talk to him about this space which you know we don't know too much about and how he is solving uh, in that uh, domain so fantastic conversation do check it out um, obviously you'll know through our social media platforms uh, when it's out yeah also folks uh, if you want updates to be delivered straight into your whatsapp inbox you'll find a whatsapp link in the description below and yeah uh, let us know how you're doing in the comment section and don't forget to share this episode with your other operator friends until then take care and roshan and i will be back again with more exciting updates on the next roundup thanks guys see you